Welcome to the Fullness Church Weekly Podcast. At Fullness, we value the Bible and believe it is critical to teach it clearly, remaining true to its central focus of hearing and living the transforming news about Jesus. Our hope is this teaching will do just that. If you're new to Fullness, welcome. You've come. uh, We're in our about to enter our third week of our time of fasting and prayer. Um, We do this every year, this time of fasting and prayer, prayer and fasting. We've done it every year for 30 years, uh, which is how long our church has been around. We've always started our year with these times of prayer and fasting. And our theme this year is renew. And we've used the temple as a model for this concept of renewal. You know, the temple was organized so that you kind of went in from the outside, like the world. You went in from the world into these various courts, the court of the Gentiles, court for women, court for men, an inner court where the priests could go, a holy of holies where only the high priest could go at certain times of the year. So it just kind of, it pictured a journey into the presence of God. And we've kind of reversed it and said, okay, let's talk about the holy place as being uh, our inner court, so to speak, uh, where God dwells in our spirit. And so the first week we talked about personal renewal. How, what do we need to do personally in our relationship with God? Then this past week we spread it out just a little to talk about those who are a part of the family of faith, the church, our church. And so we've talked about corporate renewal. And today we want to move on out uh, to the world to talk about what does it mean to minister the good news to the world around us. And so this week we will be focused on praying for evangelism and missions and world renewal. And some of you may be uh, here today thinking, well, you know, I'm really not going to go to the world Kind of like, I'm not going to go to Africa, or I'm not going to go here, so I'll just kind of uh, tune out and let those who are called hear this message. But here's what I would say to you is, don't. Um, Basically because uh, you and I, we all have our mission field, so to speak. We all have our harvest field. We at Fullness, we call it your sphere of influence, Everyone here has a certain area that God has given them to impact for the kingdom of God. So whether you're a doctor or nurse and you're in a hospital, or you're a teacher in a school, or you're a salesman and you're a place of work, or you're a mother or a father, there are people around you that only you can reach, that only you can talk to. I'm not going to wander into your classroom and say, hey, Pastor Bart's here, uh, and start talking to them about the gospel. I'll get arrested. Um, Or if I go into a doctor's office, or I'll go to a different place. That's not my sphere. That's your sphere. And God has given you that sphere to impact for the kingdom of God. My job is to help you become all that you can in the kingdom of God so that you can impact that sphere. And part of impacting your sphere of influence is to know the mission that you've been called to. To know what God has said. Hey, here's what you're to do. Here's what I'm anointing you to do. Here's what I'm infilling you to do. Here's what I'm empowering you to do. Sometimes we ask 
the wrong questions. Uh, we just naturally say, well, okay, what am I to do today? Well, I got to go to work. I got to do this. I got to teach these students. I got to help these patients. I got to sell these cars. I got I to do this. I got to do that. When in fact, our question should be, God, what can I do today to be, bring your kingdom in, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in my sphere of influence? A number of years ago, um, tomorrow, I, I was reminded of this because there's probably more information you need to know. Oh, by the way, I am wearing orange and blue today. For those of you who are here last week, uh, Paul Hughes told me I should do this just to be an equal opportunity person. Since I was wearing a crimson last week, I want to I wanna minister to all um, <laughs> the grace of God. <laughs> My sphere of influence is uh, everyone. Uh, so anyway, uh, where was I? Oh, tomorrow. Tomorrow is my annual physical. Say hallelujah, praise God. Go get him, Pastor Bart. <laughs> a number of years ago, I, when I went to my doctor, I was having some headaches, and he, he was determined that, <laughs> believe it or not, I was stressed. I, I can't understand why. I had five kids trying to start a church. Uh, there were a lot of things going on in my life. And he was asking me, hey, does anyone in your family have heart problems? Do you have a history of heart issues in your family? And I, you know what? I, I just didn't know. I, I, I didn't know what to... So I called my dad. Say, hey, dad, does anybody... Do we have a history of... Do, do you and mom have high blood pressure? And my dad said, no, we're good. We're good. Everything's great. So I said to my dad, no, everything's good. Probably two, three months later, I'm with my dad. And we're driving around in his hometown. And he says, hey... I was driving. He said, hey, uh, would you swing through Walgreens? I need to pick up my blood pressure medicine. <laughs> and I'm like, Dad, I ask you if we have a, anybody has problems with blood pressure in our family. And he's like, well, not when I'm taking my medicine. <laughs> oh, gosh. Like, what kind of, you've got to know the right questions. To ask to, to get the, the answers. Have you ever had problems? Are you on any medication? Listen, part of our problem is we ask the wrong questions on a consistent basis, and we come up with our own answers based on our perception of what the world around us looks like instead of like saying, God, what, do you want? what is your desire for me? What do you want me to do? In the book of Acts, Acts 1, this is, this is taking place after Jesus has been raised from the dead. And in Acts 1, 1, I didn't do it. I don't think I did. No, I'm going to do it again. Okay, I'm going to have to restart. Just give me a second. You're going to help me? Because all I have now is that. Craig, where'd you go? Come reset this, would you, while I talk? <laughs> Don't pay attention to the guy behind the curtain. He's no, nothing. Uh, Craig, uh, Acts 1-1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Go to the next slide. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men, gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Luke is writing the book of Acts as a follow-up to, guess what book? Luke, yeah. 
Good job, theologians. Uh, so he had Luke, where he wrote about the life of Jesus. Now he's going to talk about the life of the church, the spread of the gospel. And whoever this Theophilus guy is, he's writing to him. We don't know. A lot of guesses, but it's not really that big a deal. Uh, so he says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote to you about these things. That's the next slide, um, where he says, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. So Jesus is going to gather his followers around him. He's going to give them some words, and then he's going to ascend into heaven. A number of years ago, uh, I was with Rob and Shannon Malcolm. Uh, we were in doing a the four of us, me and Kathy and Rob and Shannon, were going around Israel. I've told this story before, but it's so funny. I'm going to tell it again. Um, and so we, uh, on, a, on a Saturday, which is their um, Sabbath in Israel for most um, who are Jewish, so a lot of things were closed down. So we could drive real freely. It's like driving around Sunday here. You know, the roads are pretty, pretty clear. So we were driving around, and we parked, and we are going to go to the Church of All Nations, which is across the Kidron Valley from Jerusalem. So it's a beautiful church. You can, see the, you can see the Dome of the Rock and the old city of Jerusalem uh, across the valley to there. And so we had just parked, and we were wandering around, and we, we're on the Mount of Olives. I know this all sounds so pretentious, but we were actually on the Mount of Olives. So we said, hey, let's find uh, the Church of the Ascension. So next picture, please. Um, We've, we wandered around, and we found this Church of the Ascension. And so there's uh, Shannon and Kathy standing in front of the Church of the Ascension, and we, we wandered on down to the Church of All Nations, which is um, where um, the Garden of Gethsemane is. And some of the olive trees there are as old as they were there when Jesus was there. They're thousands of years old, these trees. So we, we kind of prayed. We, we looked at the place. And we come out from the gate, and there's a guy in front of a car with a red Make America Great Again hat on. Um, next slide. Um, his name was Wally. And I was thinking, well, there's something you don't see every day. Uh, you know, you're coming out of the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, stay with me. The, the, the line here, Garden of Gethsemane, just a real spiritual experience, and this guy has a Make America Great Again hat on. So Rob and I were just like, we got to talk to this guy and see what he's doing. So his name was Wally, and he was a guy, he was Palestinian, so he was working on Saturday because it wasn't his Sabbath. And we're talking to him. It's a really long story, but it's, again, it's good. Just hang with me for one second. So he's like, hey, do you guys want to go to Bethlehem? And we're like, we'd love to go to Bethlehem, but we've been told it's not really safe there because Bethlehem is in uh, West Bank-occupied uh, Israel. So it was like, we were told you probably shouldn't go over to Bethlehem. And he goes, no, 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 I know people. I know people. Do you want to go to Bethlehem? And I'm like, yeah, we'd love to go to Bethlehem, but how much are you going to charge us? $100. We're like, a piece? There are four of us. $100 a piece? And he goes, no, no, for the whole group. I'll take you for $100. And I'm like, are you sure? And Rob and I are talking. Now, Shannon and Kathy are not a part of this discussion at all. And he goes, yeah, I got my own car. Just jump in the car. I'll take you to Bethlehem. And Rob and I are like, $100? Let's go. Let's go see Bethlehem. So we call Rob, uh, Shannon and Kathy, and they're like, what? You're going to get in this guy's car who you've never met, you don't know anything about. 
he's going to kidnap us and haul us off to who knows where. And I said, no, we're going to Bethlehem. <laughs> Rob and I are just like, uh, yeah, we're going to go. We get in the car, and he says, hey, have you been to the Church of the Ascension? And I'm like, yeah, we were just there. It's this kind of octagonal. He goes, that's not the Church of the Ascension. And I'm like, well, it says it's the Church of the Ascension. No, 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 that's not the right one. That's not the right one. Let me take you to it. So he drives up this hill. We, we drive around this corner, and we come to this gate. And it's just a wall and like an orange gate of some sort, big metal closed-off structure. And I hear Shannon in the back like, we're going to die here. This is the end, of, you know, we're gonna, this is the end for us. And he's honking his horn. Some guy comes to the gate. He leans out the window and yells something to him. And the gate opens. And I'm like, this is it. This is where my life ends, right? Right here in Jerusalem. And Shannon's actually texting her daughter to say, hey, locate me, pin me. In case something happens, you can find our bodies here. <laughs> this is the, where our last known location. So we drive onto these grounds. And next picture, a beautiful Russian Orthodox Church is built on this area. Yeah, here's the point. And the story goes on and on and on. I did make it to Bethlehem, and they thought I was George Bush, and they let us in. So um, it just goes on and on and on and on. I'll finish the story later. Point being, there are these various locations, even on the Mount of Olives. We don't know where Jesus ascended from. But he ascended. There's not a debate. He left. But before he left, he said, here is my mission. Here, here's your mission. Here's what you are. Here's what you're to do. Acts 1.8, this famous passage says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. This Acts 1.8 mandate that is given to his followers. There are probably 120 followers or so. We know that because they're, they talk about 120 in the upper room coming up. But this mandate, this is what he says to them. Here's your job. I want you to go and build nice roads. I want you to build really pretty buildings with these pointy things on the top. So that when I look down, I can say, oh, you built a steeple for me? No, he doesn't, he doesn't say that. He says, go. Go and be my witnesses to where? Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And then the rest of Acts is really, if you want to outline it from here, you can outline it with Jerusalem being chapters 1 through 7, and then Judea and Samaria, chapters 8 through 12, and then the ends of the earth, so to speak, uh, chapters 13 through 28. By the end of Acts, the gospel is in Rome, which is the capital. It's, the, it's where kind of the end of the earth. Um, but the word here is eschaton, the, the, the ends. Take it to the very end, to the least known, known people groups anywhere. That's our mandate. Do you know our mandate hasn't really changed for 2,000 years? Now think about it. We think of travel like, oh, I'm going to go get on a plane, and I'm going to go to here or there. I mean, I, I flew to Israel, and before Israel, I was in Greece for a week, and so I went to Greece and then Israel, and it was, it, it, I was gone for a couple of weeks. 
these guys he's talking to, they've never been anywhere. You know, they've been to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, kind of that region, but that's, that's pretty tight. When you're there in Israel, you realize how close geographically everything is. Nothing is far away from each other. I mean, Bethlehem, I talk like I'm going to Bethlehem, and it's like six miles away, seven miles. It's just not that far. Everything was pretty tight in that. And he's talking to these guys and saying, I want you to be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. We go through like seven chapters. They've gone very few places. This great persecution then in Acts 8.1 breaks out upon the church and they are scattered because they're fearing for their lives. They're, they have to leave Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. They have to go places because God says, hey guys, you're not doing what I call. I think this is God speaking. I don't know what he said. But the idea being they, they didn't go on their own. You know, they're just tight. This church is great. I love this church. I'm just going to stay here. And God says, my mandate is this. Go to the ends of the earth. And he scatters them. There's this old sermon that goes on something like this. You can either be an Acts 1-8 church or you can be an Acts 8-1 church. Uh, in other words, you can choose to go and go or God will send you. Because he wants the gospel to be proclaimed to the ends of the earth. Now again, you may not go to the ends of the earth. We, we are a sending church. We have people from our church who have gone there to those ends. But we, we have to know that God's given us the mandate to at least, at least share the gospel in our Jerusalem and Judea. To know that he's given it for us, for the city, for our sphere of influence. I keep wanting to punch. Oh, I got a remote. Now, I don't know how to work it. <laughs> Sorry. I'm reading this biography of Elizabeth Elliot. Elizabeth Elliot, um, Dave gave it to me for a, a birthday present. And it's a two-volume work. The first volume is about becoming Elizabeth Elliot. Uh, and I'll talk about that more in just a minute, about the first 35 years of her life and missions. And then the second half is about after she comes back to America and shares the gospel and becomes a great, uh, well-known author um, of my generation, really, and the struggles that it, she goes through. But she says this, does it make sense to pray for guidance about the future if we are not obeying in the thing that lies before us today? How many momentous events in Scripture depended on one person's seemingly small act of obedience? Rest assured, do, do what God tells you to do when? Now. And depend upon it. You'll be shown what to do next. There is no doubt that we have been given this mission mandate to share the gospel with those around us. Uh, and so we just, if we're going to, renew ourselves, our church, and the world around us. It is not going to be through political means. It's not going to be voting in the next election. I, I'm not against any of those. But we as the church have one mandate, and it's this. Share the gospel. Share the gospel. Be a gospel-sharing people. Don't get off track. Chris preached a sermon to us a couple of years ago talking about keeping the main thing the main thing. 
keeping the mission of Christ ever before us, which uh, does lead me to the second point, which is we have a message to share. We've been given a mandate, go. And really, it's as you go. It's not even go. It's as you go, share the gospel. The message we've been given is this, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Part of the problem we have is we've lost the message. The idea of a witness uh, comes from the Greek word for which we also get martyr, maturia. We, 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 we are willing to lay our lives down for this message. Or are we? Are there many other priorities in our lives that stand in front of the message and us? You know, I'm... Uh, I'm, I've got to earn money to get retired. I've got to take care of this. I've got to take care of this. I've got to take care of that. You know, Jesus had some parables about priorities and putting your hand to the plow and looking back and doing this and that and all this other stuff. He's saying, listen, you're going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. In the book, Becoming Elizabeth Elliot, Elizabeth Elliot and her husband, Jim Elliot, who became very well known because of a biography she wrote called Through Gates of Splendor, um, talk about their mission experience in Ecuador. It was his heart to go to a people group that were very violent, had never heard the gospel. So he and five other guys, they uh, determined they're going to take the gospel to this group of people. Now, in the biography, it lays it out pretty clearly that they met in college, Elizabeth and Jim Elliott, and he was so called to missions, and her too, but they didn't get married for like five years after because he, was, he wouldn't propose. He was like, the, I have to keep the mission, the message, everything, and I feel like I'm going to lay my life down. It's not fair to bring someone else into this and yet she was saying, I feel called like, like you do. She said, I have one desire now, to live a life of reckless abandon for the Lord, putting all my energy and strength into it. Now, she actually wrote this later in life. But she also um, had that same singular focus to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Jim Elliott was killed by those very... Uh, people he went to take the message to. Um, he and four others were, were, were martyred, which is where the word comes from. Witness, I'm going to give my life. I'm going to lay it down for the good news of Jesus Christ. <laughs> the church, our mandate, you may be like, wait, 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 wait. This is a little more than I bargained for this morning. I came out on this cold morning to hear a message of encouragement. Well, this is it. Give your life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is nothing else I've got to say to you. I can help you in a lot of different areas, but if we don't keep the main thing, the good news of Jesus Christ and sharing it with the world around us, what else have we got? Jim Elliott was killed when he was 28. Within two years, she was a very gifted linguist, and she went with her three-year-old daughter, and lived among the very tribe that killed her husband and shared with them the gospel. She was there for a number of years sharing the gospel. And you know what drove her away was 
not the, the tribal people, but the other missionaries. It's a sad story, really. She leaves uh, Ecuador when she's in her mid-30s. Her daughter is now seven and comes back to America and lives the rest of her life in America, writing books, speaking around. It, it's, but you know what? Her calling to share the gospel in America was actually in many ways harder than her sharing the gospel to these tribal people. Uh, because she was a woman in the 60s and 70s, she was greatly attacked for speaking in public about what God was doing in missions. She had a whole different view of the effectiveness of missions and was trying to re-help mission organizations, refocus their attention. Anyway, her, her whole goal was this. I have a mandate and I have a message. Nothing else matters. Focus on that. The third thing I, I want us to know is that we have been given the power to fulfill this. Now, up until now, I could have stopped and said, listen, hey, here's what Jesus says to you. You've got a mandate? Go and be my witnesses. You've got a message? Jesus. Now go get them. But Jesus says to his followers, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Then, basically, you'll be my witnesses. I, I, I've told you before I was raised, born and raised Southern Baptist and um, Matthew 28, 19, and 20 was the second verse, verses we ever memorized after John 3, 16. John 3, 16, Great Commission. John 3, 16, Great Commission. So I've had it in my heart ever since I was little. We did RAs and GAs. Anybody? Can I get a witness um, of RAs and GAs, this mission stuff? We memorized these verses. I lived 20-something years of my life believing that it was all up to me. Jesus saved me. Now, Bart, go get him. In your own strength, in your own might, in your own ability, go get him. And I consistently felt unbelievably inadequate. Yeah, I know, it's hard to believe, but I felt totally, I, I just knew I couldn't do it. And then somehow I came back to this verse in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, and in Acts 1, which said, Bart, you were never meant to do it on your own. You're meant to do it under the power of the Holy Spirit. Until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, don't go. That's basically what he's saying to them. Don't wait until you receive power. Then go. Look, Jesus has not left us alone. And powerless. You may be sitting there thinking, you know, you don't know my sphere of influence, Pastor. You don't know where I'm going tomorrow. Those people, I'm not, I don't even know that they like me. I don't know that they'll receive anything I have to say. So what? You will receive power. You are more than you appear. You have the very presence, the fullness of God indwelling you. Tap into that. Release the power of the Spirit. See Him released in your life to fulfill the calling that He has on you. It'll affect every single arena of your life. But isn't it better to say, Holy Spirit, empower me to share the gospel. And then you go to work and you say, Holy Spirit, show me who to share the gospel with. Holy Spirit, show me what to, show me what to say. It overcomes the schemes of the enemy, by the way, who's always knocking at your door saying, 
hey, what if they ask about this? What if they ask about those people in Africa who've never heard the gospel and, and, if, and if they're saved or not? What if they ask you, so can God make a rock so big, he, can he not lift it? What if they ask you about uh, the age of the universe? What if they ask you about this or about that? You know what? You'll never know every answer to every question that could possibly be asked. But you have the power of God indwelling you, the Spirit of God to share the good news. And you, like the blind man, can say at least this, once I was blind, but now I see I don't know the answer to every single one of your questions, but let me, let me share you with you what Jesus has done in my life. That's a witness. What Jesus, I've met him. I know him. Here's what he's done in my life. I have the power of the Spirit indwelling me, and I can share it. You know, these same guys who were like terrified before the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, by Acts 3, they're, they're going into the temple and a blind, a leper guy, a leper, a cripple guy, sorry. Um, I listened to a sermon from like two weeks ago, by the way, uh, where I was preaching with all my heart. And I talked about um, quotes by Chesterfield. And it's not Chesterfield, it's Chester Tun. And I'm like, I said it with such power, though. Uh, I think I convinced you as well as me uh, the wrong name. Anyway, they're in Acts 3. They're in Acts 3, and they go, John and Peter, and they say, the guy, he's begging, and they say, silver and gold, I don't have. But what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Stand up and walk. The power of the Spirit was on them, not to give what the guy thought he needed, but what he really needed. And the same will be true for you and me. You may be like, well, Pastor, I don't know if I'm going to walk into a place and pray for somebody to, to, who's crippled to be healed or whose marriage has fallen apart to be made well or whose finances are in a mess. I don't know. But until you submit yourself to the power of God, you don't know either. I don't think they woke up that morning saying, hey, let's go heal that guy. Let's go speak. I got a great word I want to say to him. I think they were there, the Spirit's on them, and they speak it in the moment. The guy is healed, made well, comes to know the Lord. Guess what happens to them? They get in trouble. They're eventually going to get double secret probation. So don't do this again, which they go right out and do again before they get arrested. Listen, if you're looking for the easy life, that's not the Christian life. Uh, we're in a war. We're in a battle. God has given us the power. I read this quote this week. Um, it was talking about um, why we as ministers of the gospel, we whine and complain that life is so hard and people don't like us. And, and the author said, it's like, it's like a boxer who got in the boxing ring and then starts whining that somebody hit him. <laughs> this is the life we have. This is our life. We have an enemy who hates us. Who's going to try and come against us? And we, by the power of the Spirit, have the ability to overcome. Jesus, on his first sermon in Nazareth, said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. On Jesus. He, he received the power of the Spirit of the Lord because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
My argument has always been, this may be a leap for some, here's the mission of Jesus. We are the body of Christ, his representatives here now. Should we not have the same mission that he had? To do these things in the world around us at some level? And how did Jesus do it? He did it by the Spirit of the Lord. I mean, he's God in human flesh. He's God. He's got a, we believe, natural advantage, supernatural advantage. Except he doesn't. He says, I'm, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. And later he's going to say, the Spirit of the Lord is going to be on you. Now, go. It's a big leap for us, both theologically and practically. But it's critical in our Christian walk. I don't, I don't think ultimately you're going to intellectually convince someone to become part of the kingdom of God. That ultimately, it's a, it's a spiritual transaction by the work of the Spirit who indwells you and empowers you. And uh, there is preparation, I think, for this. Um, this mission mandate that we're, we're empowered to fulfill. Uh, Jesus, uh, in Acts 1, 4, and 5, before he leaves, gives them the mandate, he says this, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift from my Father, wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Then in, he goes on and says, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We need this empowerment, baptism, anointing, and filling of the Holy Spirit to accomplish. The preparation is receive the Holy Spirit. He then goes on and gives them some specific instructions. First is wait till this happens. In other words, wait for this to occur in your life. Now, some people are really bad at waiting. Um, we just... You know, we, we, we move and then aim later kind of thing. Other people are really good at waiting. So good they've never moved. They've never done anything. And he, he's not saying, look, become a statue as soon as you get... But he's saying, do what you do under the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Here's my contention. If you're at this church here this morning, I believe the good news of Jesus Christ is here to redeem you and the power of the Spirit is here to infill you, touch you, release you to do His work in your sphere of influence. You don't have to wait. We'll have people praying for you at the end of this service to be filled or released with the Holy Spirit. Uh, if that's you and you're like, I need this, we want to see that happen in your lives we, because we want to equip you as best we can just to receive him and to walk in his power and his presence. Then he says, listen, so when they came together, they asked him, Lord, are you good? this time I'm going to restore the kingdom of Israel. I love this question. Dummies. I mean, they've been with him for three years, and now they're saying, okay, this is it. He's raised from the dead. He's talking about power. He's, he's going to, they're thinking political stuff here, because that's all they've been taught. And Jesus, Jesus says to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates. The Father is set by his own authority. In other words, guys, 
listen to me. Listen to what I'm trying to tell you. Don't ask questions that are irrelevant. Now, to them, this is the most relevant question ever. When are you going to kick these stinking Romans out of here, and we're going to become the, the nation again? And Jesus has been trying to say, he, they have no idea what the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts, that the body of Christ is going to be greater than any nation. Listen to me. The body of Christ is better, bigger, more important than any nation on the earth. Why? Because we have the words of life and death. We have the good news of Jesus Christ to share with the world around us. If we'll get that vision in our hearts and in our minds. And we don't do it by ourselves. This is not a you thing. This is a you all, a y'all thing. It's all of us together. I think there should be in the Bible, y'all. Because whenever we see you, we think me. And most of the time, Paul particularly, and in these passages, he's saying you all. Together. The unity that comes through the body of Christ. And he says they all join together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. There was unity among them. They were all in one accord. There's an old joke. I, I, I'll just give you the dad joke here this morning. What's the first car mentioned in the Bible? Uh, it's the Honda Accord because all the disciples were in one accord. You, you get it? Amen, Pastor. Thanks. Thanks. That's a freebie. Take it home. So I know there are some middle school students who are either moaning or loving it. One of the two. I'm not sure anymore. Um, so, but they were together. In their time of prayer. Wouldn't you love to? Don't, I love our morning prayer times. I love the fact that we've got somewhere between 20 and 40 people gathering in this place. And another 30 to 70 watching online. Every morning, depending on the morning. that are watching. Some come, some don't. But we've got a lot of people watching. But there's a unity in that. Of praying together. Agreeing. We're going to pray through this topic. This week... Every day we're going to pray that the gospel would go forth to our nation and to the nations. There's a unity that comes in the body of Christ. And it, it happens in these times of prayer. I think there's times of prayer and things that prayer offers that can't be offered in any other way. This unity that comes. They all join together constantly in prayer. And there was an order to things. It wasn't just have at it. There was a specific way. And, and they knew that they needed to choose. Remember Judas had, had, was, had died. He killed himself. And they really knew that the, 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 the teaching was that we should have 12. So we need to get this order back in our lives before we go. So pray for the Spirit. Proper order. By the way, I think that's really a good lesson somewhere. That order does matter. A lot of people are fearful of order. They're, they're, why? Because spiritual abuse and leadership abuse has been so rampant in the world and unfortunately in the church. Why? Because we lost. We lost the mission. We lost the mandate. My contention is this. Spiritual abuse happens when we lose sight of what God has really called us to do. 
if we lose sight and it becomes about the building, if it becomes about the chairs, the carpet, the finances, exalting our own name, um, uh, trying to build a, 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 trying to build a tower to the heavens for ourselves. That's where abuse runs rampant. There's something about being filled with the Spirit, being a people of prayer, staying focused on the mission and the mandate that God has called us that will... And when things are done in proper order, order is not to be, in my estimation, godly order is not to be feared. Ungodly order is terrifying because everybody's looking out for themselves. In godly order, leaders lay down their lives for the sheep. Leaders lay down their lives for the people around them. They don't try and get or receive, but they just keep giving and giving away. Here's my encouragement to us. It's this. We have the same mandate. Go. We have the same message. Be my witnesses. We have, it's important, we have the same power. The same Holy Spirit who filled Peter on the day of Pentecost, I believe inhabits you right now. Not a lesser than, not a weaker Holy Spirit who's gotten kind of atrophied over 2,000 years of church history. We have the exact same Holy Spirit indwelling us. Let's go. Let's be filled. Let's let his power overwhelm us. Let's share the gospel. And again, you may be saying, oh, pastor, I don't want to go to China. I don't want to go to Australia. I, I might, but you might not. I don't want to go to Africa. Okay, let's do this. Can we agree that tomorrow you're going to go somewhere? Are you going to go to work? Even if you're staying in your home with your kids, you're homeschooling, you're still, that's your sphere. Proclaim the gospel wherever you are tomorrow. Take it one step at a time. He didn't say, hey, I want you to go to the end of the earth right now. He said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, end of the earth. As you go. God's not that kind of God. He'll lead you one step at a time. Stand up with me. I want to pray for us. We're going to sing a song of declaration to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That is the message that we have. At the end of my prayer, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together because it's got that phrase, thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth. We want God's will in our lives. We're going to praise God, and then we're going to have a time where people can receive prayer. If you're here today, and this this is specifically for this purpose, if you would like to see the release of the power of the Holy Spirit in your lives, you would say, I know I'm saved, but I don't know that I've ever really walked in the power and presence of the Spirit who indwells me. 
We're going to have ministry teams up here praying for you to receive the power of the Holy Spirit and then to go into your sphere of influence to share the message that he's given you. Lord, we pray right now. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fall on this place. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you didn't tell me to go do something that you didn't empower me to do. But instead, your power, your presence is here among us. You've called the church to be light and salt in the darkness. You've, you've left us with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to accomplish all that you've called us to do, to be your witnesses. Lord, I, I confess my own inadequacy. But Lord, you are greater than. I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. I am a temple of the living God. We are a temple of the living God. Of your presence that indwells us and fills us, empowers us. May we catch a glimpse and a vision of this today. Lord, we, we thank you and we do pray that your kingdom would come. So together, we say this prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's worship him. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this teaching blessed you. If you ever find yourself in the Birmingham, Alabama area, come check us out. For more information, please visit fullness.life.